something in an airport over the last few weeks might trigger you. So uh, if you need to remove yourself from the uh, room, uh, you can do so now. Anybody? All right, Brother Mike, will you uh, uh, play those images for us? Ooh. Yeah. Those are going to scroll through uh, a bit there. Y'all heard the news, right? Uh, I've been in a situation uh, somewhat similar to this a couple times in my life. One time, my sister and I were uh, stuck in the uh, Hartsville-Jackson Airport for 26 hours, uh, waiting on standby flights, uh, going back to college. Um, And uh, in uh, June of this year, I was headed to uh, Ukraine, and uh, I still have PTSD, Uh, from trying to uh, make those flights and that trip. Every flight that we had had an issue. Uh, Some of the same issues that we would hear about the Southwest stuff. Um, uh, Flight crews out of time and uh, not able to be there. Flights being uh, delayed and then canceled. Baggage getting lost. So I've been in these situations. I'm sure you've been in such situations where you have a a queue of people, a line of people waiting to talk to a a gate agent or, you know, um, or or a booking agent. And um, and and there are people who in, in these situations, there are people who are patiently waiting in line trying to be as peaceful as they can. Now, I, 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 I told uh, our team um, when we were uh, headed out in June and we just kept running into problems, I was like, they are doing everything they can to wear down every last one of us. So it's, like, it's amazing. Like, like, they are treading on such thin water and, and sometimes the airlines just don't seem to care, right? Like, okay, it's all right. We're going to push you to the brink of your humanity here. Um, but, uh, but, but, but we've all been in those lines and you've been waiting and you've been waiting and you've been waiting and somebody steps ahead of line. They step ahead of line and they go and, and the person at the front doesn't say, get back in line. They help them. You've experienced this before? Now, uh, how, how many times could that happen before you just lost uh, your religion, <laughs> your spirituality, right? Uh, your peace, your patience. This is a question that comes to my mind because I think about the the prophecy in the book of Malachi. Prophecy in the book of Malachi, uh, we find uh, that the Lord uh, speaks to his his people there. And he said, you've said hard words against me. And they said, when have we said hard words against you? We can read it, it's on the screen there, but Malachi chapter number 3, verses 13 through 15. The Lord says, your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken so much against thee? The Lord retorts, he says, you have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance? And that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. And now we find that we call the proud happy. Yea, and they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. 
that's in the King's English. We can read it again in the NLT. Might just give a different flavor here. The Lord says, you've said terrible things about me, but you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you? The Lord says, you have said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying his commands? Or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins? From now on, we will call the arrogant blessed. It's not like we, it's not, it's not, from now on, we will call the arrogant blessed. It's, I guess, this is all that's left. The arrogant and the proud. And you know what scripture says about the proud and the arrogant. They're the ones who get blessed. The ones who do evil, they get rich. Those who seemingly dare God to punish them. Y'all ever see that? Somebody who's looking for trouble. Those who seemingly dare God to punish them suffer no harm. See, I use this Southwest illustration to set us up for this today because I, I know whenever you're waiting patiently, doing the right thing, and somebody steps ahead, it, it a little situation like that, it can well up a rage within you of the injustice of the situation. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt like, this is so wrong? Like, and it might, just be, it might just be that those are the straw that breaks the camel's back. Like we see so many injustices in this world. We see so much corruption. And it's like, it's like we, I can't do anything about that. You know, that's out of my hands. But I can hold this line. You know? uh, we, should, we should maintain some order in this line. Uh, it might just be the straw that breaks the camel's back. But it will, it will inflare this 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 the sense of injustice and, and, and it can actually send you into in fact like I, I would ask are you the person who waits patiently in line and has this ever happened to you and then there's the other question are you the one who steps ahead of line and and, and doesn't even think about those poor saps the sheeple who are waiting in line you know we we, we might be, have a couple of those in uh, our midst and I, I would probably uh, have to admit that I've, I've stepped ahead of line uh, a time or two, you know, trying to, because I was more important than everybody else. But all of this uh, really uh, brings me uh, to a consideration that, uh, and, and a concern, a warning, if you will, uh, that I have as we, as, we, as we embark upon a new year. And what I should say as, as, we, as we go to yet another year. Uh, as disciples of Christ, as we go to yet another year in which Jesus hasn't returned, there's something that threatens us. And the threat is what we find with the people the Lord prophesied against in the book of Malachi. What's the use? What's the use of doing all the things that we're doing? What's the use? What's the use of praying for God's justice and his mercy when we continue to see injustices and inequities? What's the use of participating in uh, you know, our political system whenever it just seems to be 
corrupt and rigged out of our control. Uh, more personally, maybe, okay, what's the use of me continuing to love and forgive uh, this person who continues to do me harm? You know, we had another family. We, we started out this week. Uh, there were four families in the program. Uh, one family exited on Thursday. Uh, I'm speaking of family promise, of course. I found out the sad news. Another family left yesterday. And family promise, for those who graduate, it's a 100% success rate. For those who can graduate, complete the program. That's amazing. But we don't have a 100% graduation rate, right? There's a big attrition rate. And that can make us think, what's the use? Uh, this, this is the threat that I see of another year for us who are disciples of Christ. You know, in that passage in Malachi, the people, uh, the Lord says, uh, and this is an important thing. You know, he says, uh, the people are seeing the arrogant get blessed. Those who should have been punished go scot-free. And the Lord says to them, you have said terrible things about me. And this is the important point. And this is true throughout the whole prophecy of Malachi. The Lord will continue to bring these indictments. He will say, you said this against me. And the people said, when did we ever say that? Because here's the deal. This threat lies under the surface. I don't think y'all are going to show up next Sunday morning and be like, what's the use of doing this? See, what the Lord says whenever he says, what you've said about me, you've said terrible things about me. And whenever they said, when did we say terrible things about you? They're not lying because they've never spoken these words. This has never come out of their mouth. They were too pious and too, too, too fearful, uh, uh, you know, uh, too, too scared to be vulnerable. I don't know. They did not say these things aloud. And, and it's important that we know this because throughout the prophecy of Malachi, the Lord brings out several indictments. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll list some of those for you. Uh, in chapter number one, he tells the priests that they're dishonoring God. And they say, how are we dishonoring you? See, the priests were still doing the sacrifices and the offerings, and they were still doing all the rituals, but the Lord says, you're dishonoring me because you bring corrupt sacrifices. See, it's not what you're, what, 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 what you're, uh, uh, you're trying to show me that you love me, that you honor me, but your, your, your actions prove otherwise because you bring corrupt sacrifices. Blind animals, lame animals, animals you wouldn't bring to, to, to a noble's feast and you bring them to me and, and on top of that there's not a priest standing against these practices no priest is standing up and saying stop bringing these sacrifices he says your actions reveal your heart and your heart you dishonor me he goes on and uh, uh, he says that the people each other. Well, for instance, uh, husbands are being unfaithful to their wives in the covenant of marriage. 
He mentions that they cheat employees of their wages. That they oppress the widows and the orphans. That they deprive the foreigners or the immigrants justice. I mean, none of this sounds like America at all, right? Or any other nation for that matter. So don't get me wrong. Then he tells them, you have been fleeing from me and cheating me. When did we ever leave you, God? They don't even recognize that their actions are those of people who have fled from God. When did they cheat God? When did they rob God? They're not giving their tithes and offerings. And then finally, we come to what we bring up today. They've spoken terrible things about God. It's important that we see that they haven't said these things aloud. So whenever we say that this is something that threatens us on the precipice of a new year, those of us who are disciples of Christ, those of us who really long for God's justice, his mercy, his love, his peace, his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. If we have that true longing in our heart, and maybe that's something that we have to check right now, do we really long for that? For those of us who really, 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 really want that more than we really, really, really want a fat 401k. For those of us who are longing for the eternal redemption. Another year passed and we go, it hasn't happened yet. And I know, like, I look towards the new year with hope, right? My office is a mess. Guess what? Next week, it's getting cleaned up. It's getting organized. Um, in a few weeks, I'm, I, I think I'm just going to bring a roll-off dumpster, and we're emptying the attic because I was just, I was up there getting Christmas stuff down and putting Christmas stuff up, and I was like, what is going on? Why do we have so much stuff that is just clutter? And like, it's the new year, we're getting things whipped up. But we do that like with our personal lives. We do that with our businesses. We have hope. I was thinking about this song the other day. I haven't thought about the song in years. It's amazing how this happens. It's this obscure band from the 1990s called, aptly called The Surfers. It was made up of three professional surfers. Kelly Slater, who's the world's greatest surfer, uh, such a legend. Uh, Rob Machado and Peter King. Um, they came together, they formed this band, and, uh, and this, uh, uh, this, this wannabe surfer, uh, Macaulay, uh, would listen to them, and I uh, haven't heard the song in years, but the opening line says, New Year brings a uh, the new year brings a change, a new day, or so I'd say. And it's so easy to say that I'd never, ever again. Right? They're kind of... Is this really going to be a new day? That's what we hope for. We think that there's going to be change. But we also know that this year is going to be met probably with more uh, you know, political corruption. The war in Ukraine continues to rage on. Uh, uh, we're still going to see economic inequality. Our economy doesn't look like it's getting better 
uh, before it gets worse. Uh, but closer to home, uh, you're going to face, uh, people are probably going to die in your life. My friend was just uh, told that she has uh, a fibroid on her uterus. And so she's entering the new year with that concern plaguing her. And, and I'm going to say, we won't say it out loud. We will come in here and we will worship. And you will serve family promise and you'll pay your tithes and offerings. But there's something that's going to be tempting you and threatening you and saying, what's the use of doing all of this? You know, even as a church, we might continue to gather. And guess what? Next year, it might be us again, just us. We didn't see tremendous growth in 2023. <gasps> What's the use? Why do we keep doing this? Do y'all see where I'm going? Do y'all identify with this? Do y'all think that I'm out of bounds for saying that this is an actual threat for us? And even if we could think about all those things, you're going to experience it like this. You're going to do a diet because everybody does a diet at the new year. You're going to start working out over the next few weeks. And, 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 after, and after a few weeks, you're not going to see a whole lot of results. And you're going to go, what's the use of doing this? And you're going to go, chocolate, I've missed you. Carbs, I've missed you. Couch, I've missed you. So we see that this threat is real. Now, that we can identify a threat is one thing. Can we stand against this threat? That's the question. Can we stand against this threat? I believe we can. I, I want us to pay attention to some things that we see here in this text that can help us identify where they went wrong. The missteps that they took. And if we don't take those same steps, then, then, then we can stand against this threat. So first of all, uh, what I want us to see is this. They were comparing themselves to others. Look, we're doing, we're, we're obeying your commands. We're being accountable for our sins. They're not obeying your commands. They're doing evil and getting rich. They're not being accountable for their sins. They're just seemingly saying, come on, God, if you got something against me, bring it, buddy. So they begin to compare themselves to others. And scripture says quite simply, but much more to this. But the simplest thing is it's not wise. not wise for us to do this in galatians chapter 6 this is this is hey don't go looking at everybody else's stuff prove your own self take account of your own actions but this is going to be a challenge against us this this year this is something that we're going to, have to stand against we're going to, have to stand against this this desire to look to others and where they are at to look to others on their diet oh man they're doing so good and they're so trim and oh my goodness i wish i could do it and i'm now comparing myself to you or to the instagram influencer or the social media we're going to look to others in our faith 
It's going to be a temptation, a challenge. Why don't you compare yourself to somebody else, uh, us as a church? Why don't we compare ourselves to all the other churches out there? I was just talking to somebody the other day, and they were like, um, One Life Church, which right there off of uh, NASA uh, Bypass. Um, know the pastor a bit and uh, some of the staff and the great church. Um, you know, Awesome that they're doing great ministry over there. They just built their building three years ago, and this guy was uh, who does audiovisual stuff, and we were talking at the coffee shop the other day, and he said, oh, yeah, they just had to tear out um, their, uh, you know, their stage and get new lights and stuff. And I was like, that's crazy. They just built that building three years ago. He's like, yeah, they're, they're outgrowing it. And I was like, awesome. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, but really, that's great, and we should celebrate that, right? But, but what if we're not having to tear out our stage because we need to bring more people in? We we will be challenged to compare ourselves to people. And I'm just telling us right here, I'm just telling us right here, just remember every time it comes up, it's not wise. And then say, Lord, remind me that it's not wise. Show me why it's not wise. Why is it not wise for me to compare myself to my wife whenever we come home and I've done this all day? You know what? Because that, that makes me a mean person. And that makes me not think about her day and what she's done. Oh, rather than comparing ourselves, what does Philippians tell us to do? Let's each of us esteem others better than ourselves. Why don't we celebrate the weight loss of our friend? Because I don't want to. That's why. Because I feel judged. That's why. Yeah, I know all the things, right? I know why we don't want to. But the Lord says, hey, why don't we celebrate one another? Why don't we esteem one another? Why, why, why don't, at the end of my day, I don't come in and go, I hope she knows everything that I've done today. Why don't I go, hey, sweetheart, what all did you do today? Because I want to be appreciated. And if I give her appreciation, who's going to give me appreciation? That's a fear. I can tell you aware, my self-awareness, that's a real fear that I have. So we're going to be, there's a threat that we're going to just want to give up on, 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 on a lot of things. As a pastor, I'm worried about us giving up doing the right things with the right heart, with the true heart. See, this is what's important about this. It doesn't matter that they were offering their sacrifices because their sacrifices were corrupt. And that's what the Lord said. He said, I don't even accept those sacrifices. You know, Jesus said, when Jesus said, if we do things to be seen of others, that's our reward. That's him saying, God doesn't accept that sacrifice. That's a corrupted sacrifice. And all you're going to get is what humans can give you. And that's fleeting. That's not storing up treasures in heaven. How can we combat that? We can remember it's not wise. We can become like, hey, why is it not wise for me to do this? We, we could also counter it and say, hey, instead of comparing myself to somebody, let me esteem them better than me. Here's another thing that I see. It seems like they're doing all of this so that they can get something out of it. Isn't that the 
Isn't that the, the tease of every religious endeavor? If I do something good, something good's gonna happen. That's why uh, uh, Fleming Rutledge and maybe some other theologians, they have said, uh, oh, uh, Robert Farrar Capon, they, they say Jesus is the most irreligious guy out there. Like he just, every, his whole life just is, is so against us. It, 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 it goes against every religious impulse that we have. Because look, if Jesus was who he claimed to be, who his disciples, the testimonies that we have carried on through the ages, who they tell us that he was, if he really is the divine son of God, he really did do everything right. He did it without sinning, without falling short. He faced every temptation and yet did not sin, as Hebrews tells us. If that's true, then all of our religious expectations should crumble because he was crucified. He was sentenced, he was, he was sentenced as a blasphemer, a liar, and sentenced to death, or indicted as a blasphemer or a liar, and sentenced to death. And you and I still, we persist in this thing. And this is going to be a challenge on us too. If I do something good, something good's going to happen to me. We, it, it persists in us, and we have to know it's there. And this is why this threat is real, this, this threat that we're going to say, what's the use? Because what if you love what if we do family promise all year long and not one family graduates? What if we pour out our heart and soul praying for, 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 for the strength and the growth of Friendswood Baptist Church? And we continue to love people and they continue to say, thank you for your love and your wisdom and your insight and your pastoral care. And they go to another church. And they build it up. Because I've seen that happen a lot in my life. What if you find out that you have a thyroid issue and you just can't lose weight? I mean, seriously, right? This religious stuff that we do. I'm doing this so I get something. That is a challenge to us. Here's, here's the counter to that. Here's how we can stand against this threat. Outside of not comparing ourselves with others, here's how we can stand against this threat of, of, of taking on this religiosity. You and I are called to do good. Not so that good happens to us. But because the way that good happens in this world, the way that God's goodness works into this world is through you and me and all of those of us who are filled with the spirit of God. You go, well, God doesn't need us. That's fine. In his design and in his plan, he said, I'm working with those guys. At the very beginning, he said, hey, here, basically, Genesis 1 is like, 
this, this cosmic idea of this is the temple of God. The whole earth is the temple of God. And you know who I'm going to put my image in? Not some, not some, not some statue with a, with a horse head and a, and a man body or vice versa, right? And bull horns. And, you know, no, not some statue. I'm putting my image in flesh and blood human beings. That's why God would humble himself and become incarnate because he wanted us to know my plan is not to work through some statue. My plan is not to work through some, some abstract metaphysical things. My plan is to work through the human beings that I created to be my image bearers. To be my love givers. See, you know why it's important for you to forgive somebody? Not just because it's the right thing to do and you're going to get blessed. All those things are true. You, I mean, there's so much psychological things that are good for you forgiving somebody. And we could talk about that at another day. But ultimately, you forgiving somebody lets them know that there's forgiveness on hand in this world. And that opens them up to the reality that God will forgive them. Paul said in Philippians chapter number four, he says, you know, y'all, you know, God has supplied all my need. And the reality was the Philippian disciples or the disciples at Philippi, they were the ones who put the gift basket together and brought it to Paul. And he, but he goes, God supplied all my need. He says, nevertheless, notwithstanding what you've done, I'm just saying, I give all the praise to God, but I know he did it through you. He did it through you. So here's what I would say. Instead of having this religious idea, this religious nagging insistence that like, if I do good, good will happen to me, which is so shallow, really, if we think about it. What we should have is this, is this understanding that we're doing good to bring good into this world. See, look, if I'm looking at the news and I'm seeing corruption and injustice and I'm going, what's the use? Then guess what? If I step in line, then who's going to bring good into this world? Who is going to be the one who stands in line and lets people go in front of them? And I'm not saying that we don't need to stop. You're being rude to all these people in front of and me, but uh, all these people in front of us, right? I'm not saying that we don't advocate. I'm not saying that we don't have a voice. That is a way that we bring good into this world. But what I am saying is, are we going to be the ones who go, I'm not going to get helped unless I get out of line. Because if we do that and everybody does that, then where's the line? Right? And you and I are called called to show this world that there is a line there is a god who's good who loves this world and everybody in it there, there is hope for a new day and, and yeah you don't see it in that person but i i i sure as heaven hope that you see it in me not so that i get praised no so that Goodness can come into your life. And then here's the last thing that I have with that thought is this. Those of us who are praying, even so come Lord Jesus, we get to find out in those moments, hey, we're the ones through whom Jesus is coming until he returns. And isn't that awesome? His kingdom is coming to bear in this earth through you and me. Others like us. We're not the only ones. That's good. 
That's good. We're not the only ones. But, but that's awesome. And you go, well, I'm not noble for that. And I'm not. It doesn't matter. God's plan was for that to be the way it works. And it blows our minds because you and I know how filthy we are and how frustratingly foolish we are and how rebellious we are. And we're like, that can't be the way. There has to be another way. And God's like, nope. I chose you from the foundation of the world that the way that this world was going to know that I am good and just and merciful and full of love is through you. If you don't trust me, look at my son Jesus. That's exactly what I did in Jesus. And you're his disciple. So follow after him. So there is something that threatens us this year, but I think we have a way to stand against it. Let's not compare ourselves to one another. It's not wise. Let's esteem others better than ourselves. Uh, let's Let's resist the incessant nagging of religiosity that says do this so that something good happens to you. And let's say let's do good so that good happens in this world. And with that I say, amen. Lord, I love you. I thank you for who you are. God, I pray and I thank you for your word. I pray and I ask that you would help us to stand against this threat. Uh, Lord, here's my hope. My prayer is that instead of looking and longing for something to happen outside of Jesus, for something to happen good from somewhere else, that we would be the ones who say, we're going to be the ones who bring good today. We're going to bring mercy today. We're going to bring forgiveness today. We're going to be graciousness today. We're going to bring care and concern. We're going to bring love wherever we are at. Lord, that's my prayer, is that we will be the ones who say, like, if something good's going to happen, we are going to be in the middle of it, urging it. Think about what Hebrews says. Uh, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Religiosity says, don't ever miss your spot. But the whole point, Lord, is urging one another and provoking one another onto love and good works. Let's be right in the middle of bringing good, your kingdom good, into this world, Lord, I pray. Uh, That's my hope for this new year. I pray, Lord. I pray these things uh, for me and for us. And I pray these things in your mighty resurrected name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to a time of just quiet reflection yourself. um, And then in a moment, Brother Mitch will uh, lead us out. Um, But I love you, church. And I do wish you a happy new year.